Welcome to the Get Over Yourself podcast. This is author and athlete Brad Kearns discovering ways to be healthy, fit, and happy in hectic, high-stress modern life. So let's slow down and take a deep breath, take a cold plunge, and expertly balance that competitive intensity with an appreciation of the journey. That's the theme of the show. Here we go. The Get Over Yourself podcast is brought to you by Almost Heaven, beautiful compact home use sauna kits, ancestral supplements, grass-fed organ meats in a capsule, DNA Fit, genetic testing for custom diet and exercise recommendations, Integro Health, high-potency liquid probiotic called Flourish, Organifi, organic powdered superfoods, delicious green, gold, and red powders, Wild Idea Buffalo, sustainable, grass-fed, beyond organic, and check out the bradkearns.com slash shop page. That's my personal selection of favorite products for health, fitness, and peak performance. And here we go with the show. You know, if I meet somebody and I shake their hand and I say, God, you you know, you're really small hands for a man. Did you notice I'm like a woman's hand? What's the function of that? Why didn't I keep that to myself? Well, it's pretty obvious. I mean to make a demeaning remark to you. And if you don't push back with my what a big nose, then basically I've, I've ceded that territory and said, I'm going to allow you to talk to me that way. Values are dynamic. They're a living entity with which we have a relationship. And that living entity needs to be fed or it dies. Financial success is like a shovel. It's like a shovel that you use to, to hoe a garden, and then you grow tomatoes, and then you, those tomatoes grow, and then you make a sauce. You know, you make a marinara. And then you invite friends and family over, and you have a big, wonderful dinner, and have a little wine, and great conversation. Well, the, the shovel is a tool. Right now, we're spending a lot of time polishing the shovel. It's a fetishism of the tool that gets you to what you want to get. Let's talk about probiotics from Integro Health. Do you want me to sing the messages? Nah. But probiotics are an extremely important concept. Hopefully you're all in on the values, the benefits of nourishing a healthy gut microbiome so you can flourish in life. And that's the name of Integro's product, Flourish, a unique, extremely potent living liquid probiotic. Yes, it's liquid form. How is it different from other probiotics we usually see in pills? This is the message from Integro. Microbes continue to thrive and metabolize in their own milieu. Do you like when companies use the word milieu to describe their product? I do. These include short-chain fatty acids, bioactive peptides, amino acids, enzymes, and minerals. The liquid base makes it acid-stable, so microbes can survive the stomach environment and transit to the lower GI tract for integration to give you a healthy gut microbiome. There's 11 different strains in this thing, carefully hand-cultivated in the laboratory with precision to deliver 8 billion total CFU. Why take probiotics? Come on, you have to ask. 
It's going to strengthen your immune function, reduce systemic inflammation, the root cause of all disease, improve digestion, promote bowel regularity, relieve gas and bloating, get you going again after illness or antibiotic use. That's me because I first got this shipment the very day I returned home from a Mexican vacation and had a stomach illness once again. What a bummer. So sad because I love going down south, but I needed to repair and return to action quickly. So I started guzzling this stuff and had a wonderful return to health. I'm a very enthusiastic user and will be over the long run because I need all the help I can get. I don't know about you when we're talking about our routine usage of antibiotics, the stress we put on our system and in the environment every single day. I especially notice my gut health is compromised when I engage in overly intensive athletic training, have trouble recovering, my gut is the first thing to go. So this is my go-to product, the Flourish Probiotic in liquid form. Try it yourself. I love the delicious root beer float flavor. Just kidding, man. This stuff is no funny business. This is the real deal. It's very potent. It tastes fine. It goes down okay, but no root beer float flavor. Sorry. Take it. You'll love it. Go look at IntegroHealth.com for more information and to order shipped directly to your door in its unique liquid form. Flourish! Oh, peoples, get ready for one of the wildest, wackiest, and deepest shows I've ever done. Featuring Luke Shanahan. Oh my gosh. We get started right out of the gate with his hilarious freestyle rap account of a mythical entrepreneurial journey poking fun at the over-glamorizing of the entrepreneur concept. (laughs) So be advised that his starting point is a little bit, and then he finally breaks out of the bit, and we get into some really thoughtful and interesting topics. Oh my goodness. This show will spin in your head for a while after you play it. I promise you. Luke is the writing partner, husband of Dr. Kate Shanahan. They wrote the best-selling book, Deep Nutrition, Food Rules, oh, many other great productions from the Dream Team. And he is quite an accomplished Renaissance man, having interests such as culinary skills. We had his fabulous dinner and he has a background teaching and uh, deep into the uh, the culinary arts. He's also taught writing and is a long-time writer, including an accomplished career as a ghost writer, which is an interesting concept, being that you work hard, you put your blood, sweat, and tears onto the page, and someone else gets credit for it, kind of, sort of. So he actually talks about that concept as, I would say, the centerpiece of the show, that fine line, that balance that we walk between uh, the high-minded ideals that we often hear from successful people about My main goal is just to be in service to the community and the world. And so that's what drives me with my intentional beliefs and behavior every day. It's just wonderful. And then what about looking out for yourself and advocating for yourself and being selfish with your time, your energy, and even your career pursuits? Of course, going to either extreme uh, is unadvisable. And Luke talks about some reflections, misgivings, uh, having gone deep into the ghostwriting scene and left himself on the sideline accordingly and visions for the future to plot and honor his own uh, passions and pursuing the highest expression of his talents. So 
<sighs> wow. It's a wild ride. Really interesting, funny guy. And that's one of my favorite parts about talking with Luke is you always get that humor injection, that lightheartedness, but deep down, a really important message. I don't know how else I can tee this thing up except for to have you hold on to the bar in front of you on the roller coaster and strap in on the seatbelt going to town from his home in Connecticut, Luke Shanahan. Title of the show, What is the Function of fill in the blank, the assorted thoughts and behaviors that you engage in in everyday life. You can always ask yourself that question and deliver great value in the process. What is the function? What is the function of listening to the show? It's freaking awesome and funny and hilarious and it will get you thinking and reflecting. So there you go. Enjoy. Luke Shanahan, bring in the heat. We've been going at it since I arrived here almost, what, 20 hours ago. Yeah. So I finally said, hey, Let's let's push record and get into this. Let's and get this on some vinyl. That's right. Yeah, that's right. It. Picking yeah. up our wonderful email exchanges right. of months ago, talking about uh, entrepreneurism right. and the glorification of this word and how some of it's been become yes. a little bit ridiculous. Right, right. Like, well, I'm supposed to be here right now in a typical podcast telling you how it hit me one day like a lightning bolt that I was going to do this protein bar that's dif different than anyone else's. It's sourced from, you know, an, an indigenous protected source uh, from a very rare cocoa bean. That's uh, it's, it's pink striped cocoa bean. That's, that's known to have fantastic medicinal and, and physical properties that are, you know, and it just took off. You have a it patent, just, you have a patent on that. So no grab, one else can do it. Yes. We grabbed, is it available elsewhere or just your website? You know, it started, it, <laughs> it started on the website and within four days we were moving a million dollars of products a month. Within four, I mean, this is averaging it out. Within four days, we, it, it crashed the internet, <laughs> you know, it, and it's just, it hit me, you know, and we, well, we got a couple of angel investors on board uh, and listeners, uh, if you don't know yet, we're totally kidding. We're just making this oh, up. We're getting to some important points. Yeah. Okay. Back to, well, so I was flying on your private jet over to your uh, remote well, I didn't, plant on I didn't the East have Coast. the jet at that yeah. time, right? I didn't have, I mean, uh, back then, you know, and the thing is, it was just a few buddies and we just got together and we're like, let's just do it. And so, like I said, with, so we started the company and then when that took, that took about a week, we grabbed that patent. I hooked up with some distributors, a packager, and then, uh, you know, and then sourced from, from these Guatemalan uh, cocoa beans. And now we're getting some from Africa. There's a guy in China who's growing specifically for us, a new genetic, but within a week, you know, it's just, so it's overnight. And it's, this is my fourth company, as you know, you know, the other three I, I, I sold, uh, a tremendous, I don't know why, I don't want to say how much. It's we, not, not important, but yeah. So this is the yeah. typical, so, so we'll it doesn't really matter at all what you sold those three previous oh, companies no. for. Who cares? Yeah. It's all about the money. So yeah. the idea mo is, most of that money is in a, in a blind trust, right? So it's just sustaining your, um, <laughs> how many homes do you have? Yeah. You know what? I'm simplifying. I'm paring down. <laughs> I'm paring down. I, you know, I had 22 houses, which is nuts. People are like, you know, you know, uh, Johnny Depp's got like 40 houses and I'm like, what it, I mean, you know, back then I was like, why would you want 40? And the next thing I know, I have 22 houses. Look at me, big goof. So I'm paring down. I got maybe 10 houses. Eh, let's see, 10. One's being sold. So let's say nine and a half. But um, yeah, so it's about living more simply, you know? Yeah. And I'm starting an another business and I've got some, uh, I've got a team of guys, um, guys and gals, wonderful folks who are, who are uh, starting. Mostly MBAs own. from Ivy League. 
I don't always hire right out of, you know, the Ivy Leagues. You know, we've got maybe three Harvard guys, a guy from Grinnell and uh, a a girl from uh, uh, Yale who's just brilliant, uh, probably the best on our team. But, um, you know, a lot of times I got a high school kid, you know, he's he's got like a 400 IQ. (laughs) So um, (laughs) he's your IT expert. Yeah, he's my he he does everything. (laughs) Sounds like you got everything dialed, man. And all your companies are green, sustainable, bio, organical, decompostable. You say again. Sorry. Oh, should I ask that again? That's okay, Brian, that's our first edit here. Four minutes into this this whirlwind. Um, so all the companies and all the plants are self-generating, solar, bioidentical, biodegradable, sustainable, eco-friendly, yeah. rainforest contributions, profit. Uh, well, Elon, um, he's a friend. And, do, you, uh, do you light up with him uh, on podcast? Uh, can I say? Or, yeah, sure. Will you get in trouble from your your investors or your nah, your stockholders? No, nah, they're laid back. They're laid back. But uh, yeah, we're we were charging it up, and you know, and he was like, "What? What's a battery? I mean, at its essence, what does a battery do?" And he's like, "It's it's just a place to put power." But what if we just put it in something that's not a battery? It's just a you know place. So we're working on that for an energy source. <laughs> so wait a minute. All right. Enough with the shtick. The okay. Thing, that was a stick, was people. A shtick. But I think it's getting to a very important point. Because right. I know some of you were engaged wondering, <laughs> yeah, who, wow. How do they do this? This guy, this guy thinks 40 houses is too much, but 22 is okay. What a bullshitter. What a bullshitter. So a lot of times, and this is, you know, when, when you started telling me about your podcast, um, Get Over Yourself, which I, I think is fantastic as a concept. You know, I was like, if you, if you're an avid podcast listener, you're hearing week after week after week about people who basically fell out of bed and landed in a, in a pile of gold. <laughs> and Otherwise, they wouldn't be featured on the show. Exactly. Right? So there's a, there's a Hi, chair. welcome to the failure podcast yeah. <laughs> for struggling entrepreneurs Regular. who are in debt and yeah. behind. Right. Uh, you know, people who went for their dreams and it didn't work out. It just didn't work out. Um, yeah, it's for people. Podcasts generally are a, a very rarefied air, uh, a meeting ground for the pantheon of, of demigods who seem to be in, incapable of doing wrong, except, you know, when they didn't, they weren't able to swim, you know, uh, the English Channel on their first attempt. You know, they, that they didn't make it back. They were going to do a double. They were going to do a double. They got pulled halfway across the second wave Weather due, to, due to currents. Yeah, I was. I was going to do. I was going to climb Meru, but you know, we we just got slammed by the worst storm in forty years. Not our fault. But you know, second attempt, no problem. We did the unclimbable climb, and and you, you hear enough of this, and the effect I think can be, well, gee, that's really exciting. They were able to do that, but I've done a bunch of stuff that just didn't work out. I wrote a book that didn't sell very much. I, uh, I wrote a, a, a movie script and, you know, it got made by somebody else, <laughs> you know, or, or, or just bad luck, opening a business that didn't work or having a relationship that, that you tried your best to maintain and it just fell apart at the seams. And I think that we're not hearing enough of the, of the, of the real stories of, um, you know, people who are uh, not uh, being blown by the felicitous winds that seem to be, you know, uh, blessing the 
the sales of others. Well, podcasts aside for a moment, before that, we were talking about mainstream media. So you had even worse of a uh, segmentation of only bright, shiny success stories. And they were on there for six minutes with their talking points. And then they were gone on the Today Show or wherever the the, the celebrity or the success person appeared. So now at least we can... We're doing a little better to get real and authentic conversations, but you're right. When I yeah. started the show and, and named it accordingly right. with that spicy title, um, it is a little bit of a call to uh, awareness that maybe we're just seeing the sunny side of the uh, the story, especially with social mm-hmm. media. Yeah, where what are you going to post? Exactly. Had another boring day. Overslept. Missed my job interview. Right. And now I'm rummaging through the fridge, and there's a picture of a disgusting Some fridge with like unex- beer bottles <laughs> that froze and broke open. <laughs> right. Inside joke that happened Does last that, yeah. night. Sorry, Luke. my fault. Yeah. Um, the uh, we're not going to post things that are uninspiring, and I think that when we when we do construct these these uh, these sort of quasi. Um, realities or pseudo realities we're doing it for others but we're also trying to convince ourselves that that this this sort of a panoply of color that we're that we're throwing up on the white screen for everyone to see as a representation of our lives is is also a self-convincing an attempt to 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 maybe construct in in a in a kind of a uh dreamscape you know um uh, collage how you how you would like your life to be but i think secretly all this stuff when we show you know when a, a girl's showing her her you know her, her perfect butt uh you know uh guys looking ripped people taking pictures of their food here's me and my kids a, a lot of it is good genuine sharing like I, I i'm enjoying this and i want you to enjoy it with me but a lot of it is that we're 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 using all of these things success financial success, business success as proxy for when it really should be a a propellant of having a successful business, having houses, having uh, uh, a better body, all of this stuff, what's behind it all, right? And I think, and research backs this up, this is not just a spiritual claim, but a psychological one, that the people who are happiest However they get there, the people who are happiest have a network of, of fulfilling relationships where they feel significant and they can give back. And however it is you need to get there, you've gotten there. But I think that right now we're, we're confusing the tools of success. Success is a financial success is like a shovel, right? It's like, it's like a shovel that you use to, to hoe a garden and then you grow tomatoes. And then you, those tomatoes grow and then you make a sauce, you know, you make a marinara and then you invite friends and family over and you have a big, wonderful dinner and have a little wine and great conversation. Well, the, 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 the shovel is a tool right now. We're polishing there. We're spending a lot of time polishing the shovel. It's, it's a fetishism of the tool that gets you to what you want to get. So ultimately it's the dinner with friends that we're all after. And if you didn't use a shovel, you could have used your bare hands, Right. So all of the all of these accoutrements of success that that's what is represented on the Instagram, the media, and often now it's polluting our conversation. Where if I'm t- going on a podcast, I have to tell you how everything worked out perfectly right off the bat. But the fact is, when we're happiest, think of all your happiest moments in your life. Um, they're going to involve being around people. They're going to be around being valued in a relationship and and being and having an opportunity to have enough 
success to give back. And, and by the way, this is something I'm learning myself the hard way, because as a ghostwriter for many years, you you're know, getting over yourself the hard way. You kind of, yeah. It's through been actual a tough, experience. It's been a tough lesson. You know, in, in mythology, um, there's this, this, this ongoing, you know, hero's theme, you know, the Joseph Campbell stuff. In, in many uh, mythological narratives, um, there's this idea of the hero going through a trial then there's the, you know, after reluctantly being, you know, chosen by the circumstances of life, by fate to, to, to go off into the world and to accomplish something. But that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is when they return to the village and, and, and bring the gold of that experience, the wisdom of that experience, and, and, to, and to bring that back uh, to fertilize the sort of consciousness uh, of the community. That's the part where like for me, for example, I've been a ghostwriter for, for years and helped a lot, a lot of people write books. And, you know, uh, my wife, Kate says, you know, when's the last time you've done a project that's just for you? And I thought, well, that, you know, that's not what I do. I have this kind of service mentality that, that I took too far. And she's like, well, you know, I think you really need to do something for you. And I, and I, I kind of insist <laughs> that you do. And the reason is because, you know, if you're always just in service, if you don't balance it out, you don't have, you, don't, you haven't gone out of the village into that, that, that mythical trial to have new experiences and to do things for yourself and to grow and to do things that are, that are you know, to, to use the word selfish, you know, that, that's for you. But then you take that experience, then you bring it back. So if you're always in a, in a perpetual state of service and always doing things for others, you actually don't, you're not out anthologizing or collecting these flowers of experience that you can bring that whole bouquet back and say, look what I found. That's why healthy, healthy relationships rarely are one-sided, you know, in terms of like, you know, this person, uh, you know, works solely for, on behalf of another person's career. That's a, right? That, that's death. That's the death of a relationship. And it's like, if you're following, if someone becomes a, a you know, a famous uh, motivational speaker and their husband or, or wife or, or partner goes all over the country with them, setting things up, right? Helping them write their stuff, write their books. And you know, let's see how long that lasts. And it's, and you would think uh, that it could work for a time because, you know, if the person's, well, they seem happy enough being playing this role, but the, the, but, but the other the partner who's doing the service solely never has the opportunity to go out and collect, you know, these things and bring it back to the relationship. So that's, that's been a tough lesson for me. Now I have to break out of this ghostwriting mentality and go, you know, it is in fact, it might seem ironic, but it's your obligation on occasion to be selfish. And it's not, it's not, it's not a dalliance and it's not um, self-serving in any kind of pathological way. It is absolutely necessary to the respiration of the of your own relationship with yourself i guess the you know the the, the parents of children could relate because if you're completely absorbed in yes. the, the helicopter parent and this is all going hand example. in hand with all this great. this culture right now and the social media and the the projecting the uh, the success um, and then living through your your kids and having it be all about that and even yes. uh, like mia moore says on her shows you know putting the relationship first and the children second. So the children learn growing up that they're not the center of the universe because then you're going to raise little narcissists. Correct. We had some talk about that at lunchtime yes. off the air and <laughs> how prevalent that is. Right. Uh, but if you if you can do that, 
that seems to be a win-win for everybody, especially the kids seeing that they're not the center of the universe. But unfortunately, we're seeing the opposite where, oh, you know, the martyr, the, 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 the harried uh, soccer mom who's, you know, running herself ragged, not putting the airline mask on her face first. That's that's a common pattern. And then, you know, in your career example, I think you want to be on a growth path at all times in your career. You want to be always pursuing the highest expression of your talents, reevaluating that. I was an athlete for nine years. That seemed like a really long time. Mm. And I was getting stale and also getting my ass kicked. So those two things going together yeah. at the end served to, to mark the end of my career. And then I had to pursue new challenges. So we right. should always be in that yes. kind of growth mindset. I would, if I, I would add to that. That is that is one that is one uh, scheme for a, a career trajectory, but it does presuppose a hierarchical relationship between the present and the future. So growth, meaning, uh, I, there's something in in philosophy called the the teleological error, and that is this idea that human beings represent a kind of a pinnacle of the evolutionary narrative. <laughs> And it's like, in other words, all nature has been doing for the past, you know, 4 billion years since life's existence existed on the planet is it's had this dream of humanity and it took six <laughs> biologic epochs to finally get it right. And now here we are. And now a UN report says that in 2040, uh, the earth is going to, uh, well, bite back in a way it never has before uh, as, as a direct consequence of, of, of us being here and doing what we do. But the idea that we're sort of the end game, um, it's not to say that it's, it's, it's incorrect. It's to say it's one of a number of schemas. So if you were going to talk to a, a, a Buddhist monk, for example, um, who's, you know, uh, spiritual, doing spiritual work daily, and, and you say, well, when are you done? I mean, like, when, when do you get the gold? Like, like, who's the best? Who's the best meditator? I mean, I want to talk to the best one. I, I, are we wasting time? I'll, I'll pay extra for one. I'll pay extra one. for one. I want with the, with the best one. I don't need this. You know, if you're like number two or three, I want. You know, I got the money. I'll pay. It's, it's, it's but it presupposes a hierarchy, right? Of 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 growth. So I wonder. I mean, I. I mean, I love that word growth, but it's it's also sort of. Um, you could think. Oh, I see where you're going. You yeah, could think so growth getting are, back into that guy on the private jet with his fifth company. I want to tell you about wildhealth.com. They're an online provider of comprehensive precision medicine and health consultation services. They offer DNA analysis, custom lab panels, extensive medical intake form with family history and lifestyle preferences, and regular online visits with a board-certified precision medicine physician and a health coach whom you can message anytime through their convenient app. Wild Health evaluates your data to determine what you need for nutrition, exercise, sleep, and supplements, and you can experiment, consult, and retest to get everything dialed in. You'll get a cutting-edge epigenetic test of DNA methylation to calculate your all-important biological age and have fun lowering your age over time instead of following the mainstream path to accelerated aging. It's time to strive for awesome instead of just normal. 
Did you realize that only 6.8% of Americans are deemed metabolically healthy and only 2% are declared optimal? That's disgraceful, but you can turn things around quickly. Please visit wildhealth.com and you will see that this is the absolute gold standard of personalized medicine and it's available to you right now. Telemedicine available anywhere in the USA. Wild Health is generously extending BRAD podcast listeners 20% off the cost of membership. Just visit wildhealth.com slash Brad or use the code BRAD20 at checkout to get 20% off and start taking control of your health today at wildhealth.com slash Brad. Hey, I want to tell you about Schwank Grills. This is a revolutionary portable gas infrared grill that uses the exact same heating technology as the world's best steakhouses. You heat up to 1,500 degrees Fahrenheit to grill the juiciest steak you've ever tasted in as little as three minutes. Can you believe it? That's right. You do not have to go to those crowded, noisy, super overpriced steakhouses anymore when you have the same technology in your backyard. And the Schwank portable infrared grill is not just for steak. You can make chicken wings hamburgers, seafood, lobster, vegetables. I make salmon in three minutes. They even have a pizza stone accessory. I want you to visit their very informative and mouth-watering website at schwankgrills.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-N-K. Everything you cook, faster, juicier. The speed is so important, so convenient. Uh, There's a drip tray on the bottom, so you let the juices drip down. I love the bison burger, the venison burgers. That's my game. And then you can add a mixture of butter, spices, whatever you want into the tray. Pour it back onto your meat or your salmon for a huge improvement in flavor. Are you getting hungry? I am. <laughs> Let's go to schwankgrills.com, S-C-H-W-A-N-K, grills.com, and up your home cooking game. This is a one-of-a-kind grill. I have a great discount code for you, of course. It's BRAD150 to save $150 off your purchase of a Schwank grill. Yeah, it's like, is it... Is it necessary that you always have to one-up? Do you have to transition from ghostwriter to prominent James Patterson name above the title to be considered successful, fulfilled, making a contribution, giving back? Exactly. So Maybe maybe not. If I were in that private jet and I said, you know what, I'm I'm getting, I'm donating all my money and I'm moving to Vietnam and I've decided to just write about Vietnamese culture and to study the food and become a maybe become a, a grow chef. the mung beans yeah a, i want to grow farm. yeah there you go yeah. I, I mean at like the end of uh candide right voltaire what does he do he returns to the garden to the humility and the and the and you know to the little literal growth not growth in terms of of right so this is uh, this is definitely not a condemnation of of improving one's career i think it's a it's a wonderful thing but again like we were talking about earlier what is the function every time somebody talks to you you know and, and they, we were talking about when people um, bring certain kinds of terminology into the language. Like right now, if I was to say to you, uh, you know, Brad, I'm going to kind of need you to, uh, you know, uh, go up and get your suitcase. And I'm going to need you to go over here. I'm going to need you to go ahead and do the dishes because, you know, I'm a little busy with this thing. Over, You'd be like, what? are you my boss? What's going on? Did you say need three times in 12 seconds? I did. Yeah. <laughs> so what is the function? The function would be to 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 kind of make a territorial claim about the the 
the disparity of a relationship and, and, and a power a, a power play essentially. And if you didn't challenge that immediately, you know you would have given up a, a couple of feet of ground on that hill. So what is the function? What is the you know if I meet somebody and I shake their hand and I say, God, you you know you have really small hands for a man. Did you notice that? I mean, they're like a woman's hands? What's the function of that? Why didn't I keep that to myself? Well, it's pretty obvious. You know, I I mean to to, to make a demeaning mark and remark to you and if you don't push back with my what a big nose um then basically i've i've ceded that territory and said i'm going to allow you to talk to me that way there's a wonderful movie with christopher walken called in the company of strangers takes place in venice and a guy is 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 uh touring christopher walken's house beautiful house beautiful house in venice of all places and um and he says it's kind of the guy insults Christopher Walken says it's, it's, well, it's kind of like a museum you know because he's seeing all these old pictures of his here's my you know this is my granddad you know he's a great guy and and he, he makes this disparaging remark and Christopher Walken in classic style kind of squints and looks he gives the thousand mile stare and and then bam punches a guy right, right in the solar plexus <laughs> brings him to his knees and the idea there is a wonderful scene the idea is no, I will not be spoken to in that tone. And to recognize that the function of this guy saying this about his house was to insult Walken himself. And Walken was like, well, I won't have that. And here's my response. Bam, you know, right in the gut. So to bring back to function, right? When we're talking about function, what, what is the fun? Everything asks, what is its nature? What is its function in terms of its effect on my life and in my consciousness and my spiritual you know, I won't say growth, but spiritual, uh, let's say, vitality. And if if the answer, if you don't have an answer, what is the function of, you know, why do I want this jet? Why do I want to grow my business? Why am I helicoptering my kid like this? What is the function? If you don't know, you got to stop and ask. If it's, I want my kid to be happy. You say, okay, does that, does that, you, you were mentioning, I think it's a great example that you brought up the helicopter parent. If, if you say, I want my kid to be happy, well, you've, you've seen the documentary, the wonderful documentary about the helicopter uh, parents and in, in several sports kids. There's a football player, tennis, golf. Great documentary. about uh, What's it called? I, oh, what is it, it called? Um, is it just, just the overly accelerated, overly I think it's called trophy youth parents? experience. I think right. it's called yeah, trophy, trophy kids. It's by the, kids? the guy that did the, the steroid documentary, the Bell, yeah, Bell Brothers. Yes. Yeah. Excellent documentary. You just came up with another that's very good. Uh, seems like a very honest, I think that's, talk about like how to make a documentary based on just not knowing when you go in and being honest and just laying it out. I think it does a great job. And that's a great doc. And if you were asked, if you ask the parents, what is the function of doing, is this for you or for your kid? They'll say, I do everything for my kid, right? Isn't that their, right. always their of answer? Course. Oh my God, I give everything to my, and like you were saying, when you give everything, it seems like you're saying you're giving a gift. But the reality is if you give everything, it's not a gift. It's a Trojan horse. And inside that horse is your ego. <sighs> Never give everything. Not because you got to protect yourself, man. Got to look out for yourself. Look out for number one, you know? You got to be the person you're going to be. You got to be the center a little bit, you know, watch out for your own career, dude. I mean, you know, and it's okay. That's good practical advice, isn't it? But in reality, if you're really, really giving everything and I had to look inward myself on this, why am I giving everything? And number one, because I cared and love about the people I was helping and I was writing for. But if I was to be more honest, that 
that there was a, inside that Trojan horse was my own fear of doing something completely for me on my own terms and just failing miserably. Right. You're in a comfort zone as, as a prominent ghostwriter. Yep. Uh, you're getting highly compensated for it. So in many, on many occasions, people can be bought. Right. Their, their dreams can be, you know, um, you're selling sup- your suppressed dreams. or what have you, mm-hmm. if you want to put that economic consequence in there. Right. Which I respect. You know, I'm, I'm trying to raise a family and put kids through college. So right. it's like, if you want to, if you want to uh, uh, put a Nike tattoo on my forehead, <laughs> I will probably, you know, You'll name a price yeah. and I, I would consider it, I would do it. Right, yeah. right. You know, the old, yeah. uh, the old Churchill, uh, the apocryphal Churchill story where he says, would you sleep with me for a million dollars? And? Of course not. What do you think I am? And he says, would you sleep with me for a, for a dollar? And she says, I got it exactly backwards. Would you sleep me for a dollar? What do you think I am? How about a million dollars? And he says, well, we've determined, says yes. And he says, well, I guess we've determined what you are. Now we're negotiating the price. <laughs> but is it, you know, the, the, uh, the, uh, yeah, putting the, um, the swoosh on your forehead, you know, it's like, again, if you do that, what are you trading in, in terms of your identity? Yeah, it goes against all my belief systems. It's what I stand for, and the the ink is harmful to my uh, my my skin. Uh, everything else, but <laughs> if if we all might want to consider just the hypothetical question, you know, what what is your price? What price do you have to to sell your values or sell whatever? Right. And when it comes even to let's say relationships and compromises. And you have these, let's say, and this is going into some Mia Moore show content, like mm. we, we have relationship deal breakers. Like um, I don't believe in uh, illicit drug use mm. uh, in my home or in, in, in my presence. Right. And so am I going to compromise on that? Well, I hope not. But it happens all the time where we compromise over and over and over our values, beliefs, morals, things like that yeah. in the name of whatever. Sometimes it's the Nike tattoo on my forehead because right. they're going to give me you know, $14 million or something. I'm going to give a lot of it to charity. So don't make fun of me if I have a swish on my forehead. Well, see, there you go. I, I have high-minded uh, ideals for this this check that I'm receiving. I think you're bringing up something really, really important. And there's 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 something about values I think we, under, we need to understand. Values, as far as I understand it, are not something to carry around in a satchel that you had when you were a kid. And then you don't open that bag and remove, you can open up that bag and hand over one of the values and then you seal that bag up, you put the lock back on it and you handcuff it to your wrist. Values are dynamic. They're a living entity with which we have a relationship. And that living entity needs to be fed or it dies. And you feed it through your actions. For example, if I originally had a value that I that I would, for example, ghostwrite for other people, but I would, but I would always keep a piece of myself for my own work. But then I found myself um, taking my passions for whatever it was uh, I was doing and and shunting that water over to their project, so that their dreams became my dreams, their interests my interests, their intellectual curiosity became mine, often to the point that would supersede their own. You know, because that was my job. Because you're a better writer. <laughs> well, someone's got to do it, right? And if, we're, if it's going to be a brilliant book, someone's got to be in the zone. And that ultimately boils down to somebody, you know, typing words on a blank page. So here I, I had this original value in my satchel that said, you know, always leave a part of yourself for your own passions. Always, you know, follow, you know, this thing for you. 
But through the action of, you know, writing for others and doing and, and, and you know, tossing it over to, to, to projects that were not originally my own and then adopting them as a sort of adopted child and loving it like a child and raising it like a child and taking on that responsibility. Um, I realized that through those actions, when you open that bag of values up, you haven't opened it for years, but when you open it up, they've changed through your behavior. So there's a feedback loop. It's not like you have values you try to live by and sometimes you compromise them or, you know, you decide that to make an, a, a rationalization. Like you said, I might be giving to charity. And so it's okay that I have a, you know, the, the sweatshop swoosh on my... It's better than three stripes going down my forehead. <laughs> I'd do that on my abdomen for Adidas though. Like I Bruce Lee, that. that would be cool. That'd... In fact, I'll do the Adidas bid first. The, the, the forehead, go with your I, I want to keep jumpsuit. that. But yeah, the three stripes on my abdomen <laughs> are for sale right now wow. to Adidas is my it. first prospect. And I'll, I'll put them in red, just like Bruce Lee. They're crazy if they don't take you up on that. I'll sell it for much less than a forehead spot. <laughs> it's more affordable for Adidas. I love okay. It. So, yeah. So if I think that, that, you know, when we think about our values, you know, being this sort of abstract balloon that floats above us and follows us around in life, it's, I, I think that every time we take an action, we're interrogating that set of values. We're feeding it different food. And we're, and we're interacting through our behavior. And, and that's a way of, of interrogating our values, of feeding it to see what thrives and what doesn't. That's why sometimes people say, I just, you know, I, I went to a party and I met this guy and I can't believe I, you know, oh my God, I slept with him. Or I, or I can't believe I, you know, I, I, I did this. I, I really regret, you know, I had the chance to take, to take this job. And all my instincts said to do this. But instead, I took the one with more money. And I look back and I'm like, what was I thinking? What an idiot. You know, why would I make that choice? We make choices that are, there's, in, in psychology, there's something called the, the zone of uh, uh, proximal growth or proximate growth, the zone of proximate growth. And the idea is that when you're teaching someone to play basketball, say, you don't immediately throw them in the court with Kobe Bryant because they'll never play again, right? <laughs> you're going to be like, oh, well, this is no good. <laughs> no, if you got a five-year-old, you know, kid who's, you know, four foot tall, you're going to place him what are you going to do? You're going to put him on an exactly equivalent player or what? If Seven you're... foot basket, peer, peer group. Yeah. Right. Appropriate how... challenge. Let's say tennis, for example. When you want to become a better tennis player, what kind of player should you choose to play with? Who's your partner? Someone slightly better than you. Just a little bit better. The zone of proximate, just slightly better, growth. Right. right. That's Daniel Coyle talent code. Yeah. Uh, with the perfect practice or the intense practice, whatever the term was. And that is making making practice hard enough that mm. you're making frequent mistakes exactly. and correcting rather than if you're on the golf course and you're hitting a bunch of exactly. uh, uh, three foot putts in a row in exactly. every time on a right. straight flat green. Right. You got to challenge yourself. You got to throw down a five dollar bill with your buddy and put stakes on it. That's Christopher Smith's commentary. Yes. Yeah, also, yeah. yeah, make it make it um, uh, specific to the competitive challenge. Right. Putting you out of your comfort zone a little, a little. Yeah, but and, not for, not $5,000 for this practice putt because yeah. then it's it's not going to be, it's not going to foster improvement. You're going to be nervous as shit and, and you know, exactly. turn down. you're not going to go back to the golf course. Right, right. And and so, you know, and so when you play that with that slightly better player, you know, you know, the, as a golfer, you know, there's an old saying, you know, practice doesn't make perfect. Practice makes permanent. So if you, if you're, you know, if you're putting, and your hand and your grip is not sound and you're practicing that all day, you're making an error more permanent, right? And so putting ourselves in a, in, a, in that zone of proximal 
growth helps to interact with everything we're doing so that we don't make permanent those things that are not ultimately going to serve us, right? To solidify our faults. But when it comes to um, values, you know, we, we don't often talk about values as a thing that we practice, right? So when we do things that are, that are slightly out of character for ourselves and we look back and say, why, why did I do that? Well, the reason we stepped out is that to interrogate our values and, and, and ultimately our identity by sort of probing it with a stick to, to understand the parameters of who we are and, and, and by knowing objectively a little better, knowing what we want to change. Did you do that stupid shit because <laughs> your values were tied in a satchel bag for too long and you weren't exercising them like a muscle? Yes. And so you slept with that loser guy at the party on a motorcycle and rode to his house with no helmet because you right. haven't exercised boundaries and decision making where you put yourself into and a whatever. little bit of a risk. Right. Yes. You've you've been living a little bit too safe and you're and you're 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 you know, you're subconsciously uh being directed to to move just outside the border walls of your comfort. Speaking of uh helicopter parenting, my, yeah. my friend reports he took his son over to his college frat house to show him around on a college tour, check it out, the kids in high school. And he said it was disgraced. It was a pigsty. There's trash everywhere. There's a girl puking in the hallway. He almost tripped over her because he was looking at pictures, looking right. for his old uh, heyday at the frat house. Wow. And um, I'm thinking, okay, so the helicopter parenting, doing everything for the kid, provided they get straight A's and get into the good college, mm. right? Then everything's fine. They make all kinds of excuses and cover-ups for them. So they probably never had to pick up a pizza box in their own home and throw it in the garbage. So right. you go to the frat house where they're finally free from that, those constraints and no one's going to pick up the pizza box for 90 days. And why, why, what is the, okay, let's get back to what is the function? What might be, if, is it accidental? I know this, so, this, this writer is keeping us on track. I love it. We're tying back to the, <laughs> the values and the function instead well, of going on weird tangents. So on, I mean, if, if we look at it in one way, which is entirely correct, the idea that, you know, like you say, is that the kid's just never been in the habit of picking up his own pizza box because Papa would do it or Mama would do it and 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 clean his room. And then all these things were just mysterious elves would come in the night and fix it. And then they go to college, like I say, and and what do you know, all these these spoiled kids are making a, a, an animal house at the place. But could there be a beneficial psychological function for that? Could there be a purpose for it? I, I believe that the the necessary rebellion from the tight constraints. And so they have to figure out for themselves that deep inside that satchel that's been tied shut, they have a value perhaps of living in a clean environment, but they need to discover it through yeah. trial and error, just like you ghostwriting one too many books. Exactly. So now you're giving me you're giving me grief and expressing you're venting yep. uh, that you haven't advocated for yourself. Right. And one guy ripped you off. Famous health. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, we're not going to talk about that. No. But, yeah. Well, you know, I've been ripped off a few times. And but by the way, um, you know, what is what was the function of that? I mean, of my, you know, oh. of, for, you know, Good. let's put the arrows. Can, can we title the show? What is the, fun is the because function? Because I feel I like, like it was it was a beautiful uh, phrase there to mm. we were talking about relationships yeah. at, at lunchtime. Right. And it's like this person's treating me a certain way. I feel like I'm walking on eggshells yes. for one example. Right. What is the function of what they're doing? What's the function of what I'm doing? Why am I walking on eggshells? Asking that question about almost any occasion in life. Yes. Right. Give, right. give you some more clarity. Right. So, you know, I mean, there's an old, 
mythological axiom that, you know, many, many of the people that are brought into our lives are demons bearing gifts. And if you have somebody that's able to gaslight you, uh, a narcissistic personality that puts you in a position where you're so afraid of abandonment or doing wrong or being chastised or that you do swallow hook, line and sinker, another person's definition of your own identity. Well, you know, you can take this as a spotlight into the darkest regions of your soul saying there are too many pizza boxes down there. You got to clean your room, you know. So with every interaction that is ongoing like that, where you had a, when you had uh, plot points of decision, whether to stay or to leave, for example, and you didn't, you know, there's there's a reason for that. The, the, the function of the, the frat guys putting the pizza boxes all over the places so that over a, a period of time they can go, I don't like living like this anymore. But I didn't really know that for sure. You know, um, ask any uh, snowboarder or skateboarder or surfer or golfer or athlete of any kind, particularly those, you know, dealing with like, you know, risky acrobatic maneuvers. Um, they'll tell you they, you are required to push, you know, an, uh, an all the impossible or, or, or what was the, you know, uh, I forget when you spin around three times in the air after you go off the lip. Um, yeah, the, the Tony Hawk, the Tony Hawk on the skateboard. Exactly, there's a lot of scars and a lot stitches of scars. to and get the, there. Sean White, the same. The, right, the Mick Twist, twelve eighty yeah. in the Olympics. Yes, um, look at his uh, compatriot, the guy that was the second ranked snowboarder. Right, and hit his head so bad that you right. know, I didn't know if he was going to come out of the brain damage coma thing. Amazing and, documentary oh my gosh. about that too. Yeah, but the perfect example of of when you say you know why do these why do these guys take such risks, you know, um, that, that, you know, like, like you mentioned, could, can wind up in a life changing concussion. But the, the fact is that, that the only way to know the limits of what you're capable of, of course, is to go past those limits. Comedians talk about it all the time when they, when they say something that's a little off on stage and they get in big trouble and they say, you know, like Jerry uh, Seinfeld has pointed out, he says, you need to know that's the nature of comedy that we don't, if you're examining the territory you know is safe, you're not doing comedy. What you're doing is pandering. Now, comedy means moving across that line and getting in a little trouble for it. And the funny thing is we go to comics because we want to see how close they get to the line and then walk over it. And then when they do, you know, we, so we, we, we turn them into heroes of exploration, of thought, right? to say things that we couldn't say or couldn't have thought of because we wouldn't, wouldn't allow ourselves to go there. And then when they move over that line, the new move now, of course, is to, is to after you build your icon, you destroy it, right? You, you give birth to a hero so that you can tie him at the stake. Just in comedy or are you making in an all analogy things, to other things? In all things, we create icons so that we can tear them apart. Um, this is true of, of the Kardashians. Kendall Jenner, I was Kendall, just going to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, the, that's the prime example. I mean, we, we create this totem and then like a Burning Man festival, we set it aflame. And the, the reason we, we build it in the first place is so that by proxy, we can explore those territories that they're willing to go, which in turn reflects something about who we are. So we're learning about our own boundaries and our own interests and our own values, which are always changing. And by the way, are not our own. That satchel that we talked about, that imaginary satchel, that has a thousand handles on it. We all carry that satchel together. So, you know, we, we have our set of individual values, but certainly like aspen trees look like individual trees, but in fact, part of a larger massive organism 
the the mushrooms that in fact represent that are just the budding particles of, of a larger you know mush our values are like the mushrooms those are the parts we can see but under the ground there is a a, a kind of a central or a nervous system that connects us to all to, to all other people and and we're always exploring together and individually what, what you know what our values are our values are like this 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 you know, like I said, it's a living thing, but probably a better metaphor wouldn't be that it's their own personal pet. It's more like a zoo and we're all caretakers of that zoo, you know? So, um, I do think that many of the mistakes that we make are, you know, this, this exploration of the, of, of the territory of our values and of our identity, both individually and, and as a, you know, as a, as a community. And then what is the function is to mm. get me back into, mm. let's say my, uh, peak uh, performance state, my center of power. I talk about this right. in my triathlon story where yeah. I was a nobody in my first year training, having fun, glad to be outdoors and out of my stupid accounting job. And then I had great success at the very end of my first year beating the top ranked guys in the world. And I remember and then, you had a shift to get yeah, to that. Yeah, I right? mean, it was just dumb luck and intuitive training because mm-hmm. I was so rudimentary and unsophisticated. No one cared how I did. I had no pressure on me. Right. But as soon as I became a prominent name in the sport, having upset the great racers of this young rookie guy, right. all of a sudden I started to get serious and get more focused and more more driven and more competitive and more measuring and judging my performance every day. And naturally I struggled. So all the things that serve me so well to succeed wildly beyond my wildest dreams in a very short time, because right. I was just going with my natural abilities and intuitive training schedule, right. um, things sort of crashed down because I joined the measuring, judging forces of the modern world. And then I had to learn to get over myself. I mean, that's the inspiration for the podcast title and when is you, learning that lesson. When you did, didn't, didn't you mention that you, you, were, you were training so hard that you were not really listening to your body. You were breaking down. Exactly. And then when you got, I, I have to get that. serious now because now I'm a prominent guy and I'm getting paid by sponsors and people are inviting right. me across the world. Here's a free plane ticket. Come to my race because you're such an important mm-hmm. guy. So I said, gee, I better not take a day off. Right. Even though my knees sore and I got a little sore throat baking where in, in previous times I would be like, oh, my body's not ready to go today. Right. I'm going to lie down and go rent some videos because I'm not hot shit and nobody cares anyway. So I might as well have some fun <laughs> and rent some videos instead of train. So the mindset changed due to yeah. the the thousand handles on my on my values bag as people, are, people yeah. are starting to measure and judge me now. Now I'm important. So now I better do things differently than what got me to success in the first place. And that kind of, and, and so that gets us back to what we were discussing earlier about the difference between on being an entrepreneur and being a, what what we're going to coin Luke's like, new word. A, Get ready, a matrepreneur, a matrepreneur, a mat meaning love, right? And like an amateur means love of the game. So a matrepreneur versus entrepreneur, right? So an entrepreneur is is the person who is mistaking the shovel for the for the dinner, right? This is the person polishing their their trophy from you know, a, a tournament they won 20 years ago, rather than being out on the course with their friends playing another round, even if it's not going to be, you know, a, a, a perfect, you know, 59, like, you know, like Mickelson d- did in Kauai. I watched every, every shot. And I can tell you when he hit that nine iron, I could feel the, the rumble under my feet. He's a strong dude hitting, hitting it out of six inch Bermuda. But, um, you know, the entrepreneur says, you know, um, I've won my trophy, or I have my jet, I have my successful business, I have these things. But you know, you say, I am my business. No, you're not. 
And if you are, you're in trouble. You're in, you're in the thick. You know, you're, you're with uh, Nicholson in that six-inch Bermuda and you need to hit out of there because, you know, your business, no matter what it is, it, it's good that you share a, a, an energy with it and an identity with it. But, but that's, that's sort of like, you know, being connected to somebody as a, you know, as a conjoined twin. You share blood supply, but it, it ain't you. You know, it, it, it is so closely linked to you. You can, you, you can think that it is your identity, but the people who are most successful, you know, uh, and they speak this way. I mean, the, the richest people in the world, you know, the, the Bill Gates and the, and the, and the, and the Buffets and so on, they get to a place where they say, you know, none of this really is what it's about. It's about giving back. It's about doing good. It's about being a feeling that I am contributing in a significant way. And they they say that when they're on top. Once right? they're on top. And the, the Google guys are my favorite example mm-hmm. uh, where they didn't go public. They wanted to just right. build a better search engine, build a better right. search Make engine. World Everyone a better else place. is like, dot com, dot com, go public, <laughs> IPO. Right. And then uh, my friend Ray Sidney, who was the fifth employee hired at Google. Mm-hmm. I have a great show with him. Great. And he was a mathematician educated at Harvard, MIT, top level uh, education and going into this wonderful career opportunity that worked out very well for him. But he said, you know what? I wasn't about, right. I wasn't a guy heading over to Silicon Valley to make money. I was a lifelong curiosity and passion yeah. for mathematics. Right, And <clears throat> that's something that people forget when they see the glorification of wealth. And of course, he's a you know, living the dream yeah, life that fine. everyone dreams of. Sure. But he got there because of his passion for mathematics. And in his spare time, yeah. his hobby time was spent solving math problems with this organization that puts out, you know, math problems to solve. And so if you can't pull that message out of the dream, like glorification of celebrity, now we're getting to something. But I'm, I'm, right. I was, I was kind of knocking, knocking the big shot guys because yeah. it's so easy for them to say. Exactly. And now what I see yeah. is their message is being <clears throat> repurposed by the yeah. climbers right. because they know it sounds good to say, yes. I'm just here to be in service. Right. And so what my business is all about, I'm, I'm a ghostwriting service and I look for celebrities to, right. uh, to prey upon and uh, extract a, a, a economic value right. to tell their story because I'm such a skilled writer. Yeah. And it's just all about being in service and I don't need my name on the book. And it's mm-hmm. sort of like, right. it seems a little disingenuous, right. even though they're trying and I give them five points for trying. It's like, how about tell a little bit of the truth like, yeah, that kind of sucked that I didn't get any credit for that because I was the one that exactly. you know, opened up the Western region for all the new yeah. uh, retail stores. And, you know, my boss took credit and he's a jerk. Right. Uh, but I had a good time along the way. And there's got to be a, a little great, balance. Such a great point, man, because, it, it, again, it, it, it's it's right. Like we were saying, if you're in a, in a if you're operating or claiming to operate fully in the giving mode. That's a Trojan horse. And inside that horse Whoa. is an ego, is your own ego. It's no different. It's, Wait, well, say that without me breathing because I want that to be the, the pull quote for the if show. You find, if, you're, if you say this about your kids, if you say it about your job, your friendships, I'm a giver. That's all. I just give. It's all about them. I give, I give, I give. Well, that's a, you're fooling yourself a little bit. And it's, it is, by the way, it is the obverse of the coin of, you know, the self-serving narcissist. Because if you say it's all about me, okay, well, there's a lack of balance. But if it's all about the other, you know, so how are these, how are these distant cousins, right? If you're always giving, then, and you, and you see going out to get something for yourself, purely to feed your own creative, artistic, professional soul, 
And if you see that as, as a, as a, as a, you know, a dalliance that you can't afford because you're too busy serving, right? I have to serve my kids. I got to, I'm in the middle of serving everything. You know, if, if you do that and you think that that's a selfless act, the reality is you're not leaving the village to go collect those things that only you can find. That's key mm. to this. So, and this is what people can forget over time. And again, again, when we talk about values and identity being a, a dynamic thing, not a thing you carry around in a locked bag, it's dynamic. So you can't just think your way out of this problem. You can't say, oh, you're right. I should just, you know what? I, I am too much in this this uh, putative giving mode, this ostensible martyr mode. You know, you have to, you, you have to physically go, no, I'm going to do something for me today. And, you know, tough. I'm, you have to take the action because there, you, uh, values are not an abstract thing. They interact with what you're actually doing physically as, as a behavior system in the world, right? So you actually have to start to do stuff for yourself. On the other end, you have the narcissist who never does anything for anybody but himself. And so he's always out collecting, but he never returns to the village. So he's essentially exiled outside the wall of the community. You know, he's so he's got his satchels full of mushrooms and flowers, private and jets, private jets, and you homes. Know, it's all collection, collecting. You know, Stephen Wright, the, the comic, used to say, "You can't have everything. Where would you put it?" Which is a great line, but it's also true. If you have, you know, if you find yourself, if you collect five jets, ten jets, eighty jets, a mil. Oh, guess what? I own all the jets on the earth now. Okay, let's just say that I've really collected them all. Okay, now what? Well, I'm probably going to say, well, they're just sitting there and I have to pay for the upkeep and that's not really great. Actually, it's kind of a, I wake up at night thinking of all these jets rusting and, and, and you know, the maintenance and, you know, what am I doing? You know, I'm going to start renting them out, you know, I'm going to rent them out. You know, no, I'll start, I should start selling them. This is nuts. Why do I have this many jets? So you start selling them and selling them, selling them until you finally you're back to your one jet or no jets, you know? And you go, God, I wish I had some, you know what I like is jets. And they start buying them again. <laughs> you know, and if you, I miss my jets. I miss my jets. I want my jets back. Oh, but, jets. <laughs> da, na, na. Yeah. Once you're a, yeah. Um, jets. Da, na, 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 na. Uh, Greetings, my fitness-minded listeners. I want to acquaint you with the Primal Fitness Expert Certification Program, the most comprehensive home study multimedia fitness education course in the world. If you want to enhance your personal knowledge of all aspects of leading a healthy, active, fit lifestyle, this total immersion course will be life-changing. I'm the lead instructor and author of the course, and we have 14 chapters of extensive written content with over 100 accompanying videos covering topics such as general everyday movement, including micro-workouts and dynamic workstation tips, the full experience of gym-based strength training in all the different modalities, a complete presentation on all aspects of sprinting, both running and low impact options, an assortment of high-intensity interval training and high-intensity repeat training strategies, a detailed education on the principles and practical application of aerobic endurance training, and extensive commentary, the most you will find in any publication, on all aspects and symptoms of overtraining and burnout. We even have fascinating peripheral topics like integrating nasal diaphragmatic breathing, dynamic stretching, injury prevention, and developing a peak performance mindset. It's really something, this course. We went all out for over two years with a great team to develop this 
this amazing home-based fitness education for you. And you get one-on-one expert email support and private Facebook group connection throughout your studies to ensure that you absorb everything optimally and you pass your series of exams and get certified. So go to Primal Health coach.com slash brad to enjoy a very special limited time and i'm not kidding this is a big time discount just for you 25 percent off your tuition a fantastic premium offer at primalhealthcoach.com slash brad for the most comprehensive fitness course you can ever find hey man how's your sexual function oh uncomfortable talking about it Look, we talk about our injured knees, our belly fat, so it's time to get focused on function. I want to tell you about Gainswave. This is a cutting-edge protocol where a handheld device sends low-intensity shock waves into your penile blood vessels to stimulate a healing response and promote increased blood circulation and the growth of new blood vessels. A skilled practitioner puts the Gainswave magic wand onto your magic wand, and after a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results. Gainswave reports an 80% success rate. Now, we know that popping pills is a popular penile protocol, but when you're working with clogged pipes, you just get a temporary Band-Aid effect when you take prescription drugs. Gaines Wave addresses the cause of age-related decline by stimulating growth factors and activating dormant stem cells. Translation, stronger, harder, more sustainable erections. I learned about Gainswave from my podcast guest, Dr. Judson Brandeis at the Brandeis MD Clinic in Northern California, and there's a robust network of Gainswave providers that you can find on their website near you. Complete a series of treatments, and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. It's a tune-up for your equipment, and while it's great for ED, Gaines Wave is for any man that wants to combat the effects of aging and get a little boost for your A-game. So please visit GainsWave.com slash Brad. That's G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E dot com slash B-R-A-D to find a practitioner in your area, and you can take advantage of my special promotion, buy six treatments, and get one free. You have nothing to lose and lots to gain from gainswave.com slash Brad. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. Song. Um, the, uh, so th- it boils back down to what is the function of ownership? And, it's, and if someone says, it brings me joy, there are people with massive car collections. And if you say to them, you know, does this bring you daily joy? And they say, yeah, Hell well, yeah. there's the function. Right. Brings you joy. But like you say, these these guys who once they get there say, oh, it's really all about giving, all about giving. They the, the good news is they did put their own mask to use your metaphor. They put their own mask on first. So that's good. That was that's that's functional in that, you know, if you give before you got. You know, what are you really giving? If you try to be in a service mentality before you have fulfilled yourself. You put them, you, you know, you didn't put your own mask on first and you ran out of air. So they had the order correct. you got to go get yours. Then you got something to give, right? If, and so their collection of, of all this wealth and success did put them in a position that gave them a bigger shovel so that they can, they can, they can 
dig a bigger garden and feed more people. If they were to do the giving first, try to, give, to do the giving first, then they would simply have the impulse without the tools to be really effective. Hmm. So, you know, um, I think people can make the mistake, of course, when they say, I'll, I'll give once I'm, I've reached, you know, X level of success. That can be... Bill Gates. You never get there. He got, he got pinned on 60 Minutes. This is maybe 20 years ago, maybe I think, 25. I think I remember this. Go ahead. And uh, I don't know who it was, Baba Wawa or somebody <laughs> said... Uh, Okay, so, you know, by all accounts, you're the richest man in the world with $21 billion of net worth to your name. Yeah. And um, you have been called out recently for not giving squat right. to charity. Yes. And he looked at the camera to the nation, the number one rated show, uh, you know, on TV for many years. And he says, oh, you know, I'll be giving, I'll be giving all of it away. But right now I'm busy building a software empire and I, I, I'm not into that right mm -hmm. now. Right. And uh, I think he even maybe got criticized for that that quip. Yeah, Because why wouldn't you just spend a million dollars and build a new park? Your, right. your old neighborhood's decrepit, whatever. Right. Um, but sure, true to his word, he transitioned to the next phase of his life and he's the, the all-time generous uh, philanthropist of, yeah. of the planet. Right. Uh, Bill and, and Melissa or Melinda? Melinda well, Gates. Melinda. Yeah. So I think that was a, a cool and honest and sincere answer. Yeah. He had, he had the the order correct. And this is not a new concept in the, in the you know, in the Vedic... Uh, mythological uh um uh stories uh you know out of hinduism in india you know there are stories of of the different phases of life right and there's the quest phase and there's the you know the exploration phase and all this and finally is it's it's the teacher phase there be mm. the, where you're where you're in the you know you're to give back you know but they have it in the right order <laughs> you know you gotta you gotta and, and this i think this can get this can be a back and forth enterprise right where you can you can you can collect for yourself and you can be you know an um, entrepreneur at the same time by by loving what you do and bringing other people into the fold and giving people opportunities for new you know for new careers or whatever there's things you can do to, to navigate through, through the world in a positive way while you're while you're amassing your you know uh your career trophies but but um i do think it, it's a mistake if anyone out you know in the world thinks that they are, you know, 99% in the giving mode. And a lot of times it's their circumstance that is such that you know, people are holding down three jobs and they have kids and they're like, you know, I don't have a choice, you know, but here's where your soul's really in, in, you know, in deep water is when you get so used to that, you forget that you want to get out of it. You, you forget that, 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 that the, the end goal is to, is to, do it is to have something for yourself and that this, those circumstances, you know, have placed you in this, in this kind of a custodial role. Um, you know, you put that coat on for as long as you have to, but if you, you start to identify with it, you, in, in order, in order to rationalize those horrible circumstances, you know, it's like, you know, I'm working, you know, 18 hours a day on three jobs and the kids and da da da. And then you can get to a point where you say, well, I'm just not me anymore. I'm just this service vehicle, you know, and then you're now what you've really lost hope. So, you know, we do have to remind ourselves, I think that, uh, no matter how much we're serving, um, you do have to get to a place where you're serving yourself for everyone around you. And that was a tough lesson for me. So still is, is. it, is it a matter of, striking the healthy balance at all times uh and the follow-up question would be mm. 
is there some individual disparity here where we have some people who are going to be the ones yes. more likely uh, exploring Ooh, the uh, exploring the outer boundaries? Wasn't Elon Musk given a recent interview in the New York Times saying that he he had cops to mm. working twenty hours a day and sort of being in despair that his life is you know accelerating at that pace, but he's compelled to do it and he's having trouble balancing. So mm-hmm. he's like this explorer that might not be returning to the village too often, right. but maybe we need some of those. We definitely need some Elon Musk. Yeah. And then we need some Mother Teresa type thing. And then you're going to discover where you land on that spectrum. I mean, we need, we need ghostwriters, man. And you're hitting those, those mm. big picture objectives of being significant and giving back. Yeah. I mean, the book's a bestseller. It mm. was read and changed lives of millions of people. Your name wasn't your name wasn't on the cover, whatever. Well, or in a, that case, it was. But you know, you've, you've done great work, right? Does it necessarily? I, I see. There's nothing wrong with it until you deem that it's time to move to a different uh, realm. Yeah, and and it's. I mean, ghostwriter is a sort of a metaphor for. I'm not, I don't mean to like. And in a way, ghostwriting is a strange concept. I mean, uh, how many ghost artists do you know? Ghost. Uh, uh, performers, ghost singers. There are ghost singers, right? Well, how about how about James Patterson? Um, right. M- my friend works for him, PR and everything. He's the best-selling author of all times yep. in history on the planet. Right. And one reason is because he puts out twenty books Tons a year. Books, yeah. And it says James Patterson on the book. Sure does. But it's it's known and not a secret that he didn't pen it on his. Uh, right. Electra typewriter mm-hmm. looking out his window into the Florida coastline, <laughs> right. right? But it's okay. It's a James Patterson branded novel. And you'll even see the person who wrote it in smaller letters. Yeah. Uh, but it's just part of the, part of the branding exercise. And right. it, it's no harm, no foul to anyone. Right. And, and, and we could live in a world where, you know, uh, we see a Jackson Pollock painting and it says Pollock and then in tiny little letters, it says, you know, uh, Pollock Pines, <laughs> California. <laughs> yeah, or, or, you know, or, or, uh, 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 Mohammed, you know, Rishni or something. How about never... the Kate? How about the Kate Shanahan um, cookbook? Because on Amazon, we learned this that legally oh, you can right. you can use a pseudonym to write a book. It's not illegal, and right. you can title a book anything you want. Even you can title a book after another book. So I could write the South Beach Diet tomorrow by mm. Bob Atkins or whatever, and yes. no one can sue me. And so uh, there was a book, the, the Deep Nutrition Cookbook by Kate Shanahan. Right. Not the Kate Shanahan who wrote the other book, who's a known know, prominent incredible. health expert. You can't even touch them. Right. They can just make money exactly. because of your hard work. Well, let's get back that to, sounds messed up. Let's get back to function. What's the function of that uh, bullshit? So, well, I'll tell you what the function <laughs> of that is. Okay. If, if, um, if I have a, a painting in a museum and it says, uh, you know, Degas, and underneath in tiny little letters it says, you know, Frank uh, Smith. Okay. <laughs> what is the function? Westport, Connecticut, the fun- October two thousand eighteen. If you've never seen, <laughs> if you've never seen a work of art before, it's your first time to a museum. You're a child. What do you take from seeing that? When you say, "Mom, who whose painting is that?" It says Pollock, and she says, "Well, look underneath, right? Oh, is that who really did it? Yeah, he's a ghost painter. What would be the? <laughs> what's the function of that?" Of having those two names. What does that tell the kid? What is what what message is that meant to broadcast? That we have two names up there. And the the big name is the person who didn't do it. Uh, a learn a lesson in branding at a young age. What's the lesson? Branding and marketing. What does it tell you about art? I don't know. It's for sale. <laughs> okay, it's fungible. Um, it's a commodity. Yeah, it's for sale. 
Okay, good. So now we're talking about like a Thomas Kincaid, right? You pump them out. Okay, great. So does that value the art and the artist or, or does it devalue it as an, does it intrinsically, it, put, it puts a mon- monetary value on it, but what does it say about the production of art? Yeah, it's a good question because I mean, Thomas Kincaid would probably answer that he's exposing the, the, the beauty of art to a broad audience and any snobby artist who sure. refuses to sell their work or they don't paint on acrylic, even though it, it, it's the better medium because they're, they're so connected to their art that no one gets to appreciate it. Sure. That's um, not, you know, maybe not contributing as much to society as Thomas Kincaid blasting those things out to everyone's living room. Sure. And of course, that presumes that Kincaid paintings are a contribution. <laughs> Which, I mean, to many people they are. Good point. To many people and they are. It's it's kind of this is is watered down culture okay? And I would say my knee jerk response would be, yeah, it is because it's better than sure. nothing. You can't be you can't be sitting in snobbery where yeah, you know, I, I only play on private golf courses with the greens on a stint meter of eleven or above. Yeah. That's a really fast, slick, well cut green. Only you know. three star Michelin uh, food will do. Where 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 if a, if a single you know. Uh, um, uh, micro sprouted, you know, radish is misplaced. I have to send it back. Yeah. No one wants to become JP Sears with his gluten intolerance. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's so much fun to send things back. What is the function by the way, of sending something back at a restaurant when, when somebody says, no, this is no, I mean, let's say it's a pretty decent meal, but you know, it's just a tiny bit off. I I wanted this a little more well done. You have small dainting looking hands too, Mr. Waiter. I do. Yeah. (laughs) What's Uh, the function of uh, same function as commenting on the baby hands. Yeah, it's it's a power play. Absolutely, it's a power play. And so what's the objective of the power play? So the function of sending food back, the power play of sending the food back a la J.P. Sears with his gluten-laden yeah, pizza. Great example. I don't know that. what's the answer. Yeah, the function is, um, well, first of all, when I say to the waiter, excuse me, I, I don't mean to be a bother, but okay, everyone at the table, where are their eyes? Where are they looking? At the bother? At the person making the bother. Right. So first of all, all the tension's on me, which is key. Second of all... <laughs> that's key to the whole plan. <laughs> that's absolutely key. Second of all, I'm taking this person, this waiter, you know, who's working, she works hard for the money, right? And 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 showing them, I'm in a position, I'm paying good money. I want to put them in a subservient position to not only bring me food, but to bring it back and then bring it back again. And I'm also saying a little F you to the chef. Now, again, there are legitimate reasons to send something back, right? I'm talking about that persnickety and come on people. We all know who we're talking about. There are people who just want to be this bother. And you go, why do they do that? Well, it's to give themselves a little more attention and to make them feel, you know, a little more important in the world. Okay, what is the function of that? Why are they in particular doing that? Why do they have the need to do that? Let's look at that person a little more closely. Well, because they don't feel very valued and satisfied and significant in the in their world, they don't feel that they are a person of significance and influence until okay. they are getting served. Then they use that. They leverage. grab it where they can. And why don't they have that? Go back to their childhood and go Ages back three to five. Let's go back to three to five, where their parents were either helicopter parents who turned them into a fetish of their own egoistic, unfulfilled needs, or plainly emotionally abandoned them, which sent the message had the function of telling the kid that they were secondary to the importance of, of the identity of the parents in any real way. So they're going to go around for the rest of their life, creating chaos, sending food back, being a bother, and essentially taking all the arrows of attention and, and, and 
bending them with the force of a thousand Reese's monkeys back toward their own identities. You know, all eyes on me. Those who have just joined us in our live studio audience, we're, our theme seems to be what is the function? We keep coming up with that and how you can ask yourself that in so many different occasions in life. Yeah. Now I want to ask you at the restaurant, uh, as, as my girl Mia Moore knows, I'm like the, I'm like the opposite character okay. where I just eat. I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, they didn't put the cheese on they forgot the avocados. It's cool. I'll just eat it. It's, it's just certainly looks like a good meal, right? but I don't want to be a bother to the extent that I really don't want to be a bother. Great. I'm and so I, glad you brought yeah. that up. Okay. Remember how we were saying that values are not some, a, a dead load of bricks in a satchel. With there a are thousand handles. thousand handles. The whole community carries this together. And by the way, talking about that thousand handles, in there are our values. But if we, if we conjoin those values, if those values are associated with or respire with or conspire with our identities... That bag with a thousand handles also has our identities, both individually and our community identities. So in the case of I'll sit here and eat the food, remember how we were saying that your your values are not something you just think up in your head, but it, it interacts and is dependent upon your behavior in the world. When you say I'll just sit here and eat, I specifically asked for no cheese. They brought it with cheese. I'll just scrape it off. I'll do it. I'll eat it. I said no onions. Here's onions and so on. I'll just eat it. $40 for the plate, but I'll just eat it. Okay. What, when we talk about our values and how, what we do feeds back into our values, how will this act of you eating this meal that you're not going to enjoy, you'll pay for it, but you're not going to enjoy it. What is that going to do to your values, your value about who you are, your identity? How will that feed that the act of eating what you don't want to eat that, you, that you're about to pay for? What will that do to you, to your values regarding no, yourself? Sprinkling some dust into the bag. Okay, whereby dust, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a go with the flow kind of guy and I'm not one to make waves. And so I do that um, 178 more times. And then we apply a real, real life important example, like the interactions between my boss and I and taking, taking heat and taking emotionally abusive commentary or in a relationship dynamic where I'm always the one that compromises when we're trying to decide between sushi and Italian or what have you. Excellent. And you start, you start, mixing that stuff into your bag. Okay. So if you're going to take a test tomorrow and the test is called Brad, okay, there's a test about you and you're going to have to study up on you. I want you to memorize you. I want you to memorize all these different aspects of your character as it exists today as a snapshot of, of Brad in the here and now. And we're going to take a test tomorrow as with any test. And we're taking this test every day, by the way, or we're preparing for this test every day. So how do you memorize how do you study for a test? Let's say you're going to take a Spanish test tomorrow. How do you, how do you study? What do you do? Uh, buscar para los flashcards. Uh, durante <laughs> del noche. Eh, practicando con mi amor. Exactly. Uh, otras veces. Uh, escuchando para los podcasts en español. Yes, right. So Buen you, ideas, los tres. Right. So, and, and you do it in different places, right? And so the, 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 you'll, you'll study... Uh, here in your bedroom, you'll study in the living room, you'll go to a park and study because the right research shows them that the, oh. the different places that you study it actually aids the memory. If you really? try to memorize it in the same place under the same circumstances at the same time of day, it's not as effective as if you try to memorize the same thing in a variety of environments because you're creating a more sophisticated network of, cha of memory channels in your brain. Doesn't that make sense? What's up, college students? Are you listening? That's a great insight. Oh, yeah. Never yeah, study dude. in the same room every day. Oh, of course not. You, you, because 
guess what? The test isn't going to be in your bedroom. So you have to, to train your brain to approach the contextual uh, interaction with the thing you attempt to memorize in a different context. And Just then like you, the golf example. Exactly. Yeah. So you get the driving range with a, a clean mat. Yeah. Or you go out and, and throw a ball in the mud and try to hit that shot. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, the, and, and so what you do is you practice it in order to make it permanent, right? Okay. So when we go to a restaurant and we eat the thing we don't want to eat, and then the boss speaks us to a way that is, you know, we shouldn't. And then we, and we go through life do, acting out over and over. What you're doing is memorizing the fact that you're not valuable. You're studying for the test. And the question on the test will be, what is your value and significance? And the correct answer in this case is nothing. I have no value. And you want to make sure you remember. And to remember it, don't just think about it in your head. Go out there and live that way. Eat that meal you don't want to eat. Have that person speak to you in that tone of voice that is absolutely deplorable, that crushes you. But take it and say, I've got the bigger shoulders. I don't need to. You are memorizing. Just, just as with any other, like with mood, it's, it's now known that if you're depressed and depressed and depressed and you don't do anything to crack out of it, you're memorizing depression. You're studying for the test of depression. You're going to pass with flying colors. So every, this is the interaction of the physical behaviors that we do and our values. This is what makes values a living dynamic creature that you're feeding. What do you want to feed it? And if you're feeding it one more meal that you don't want to eat because you ordered it without cheese and they didn't listen, you're, you're sitting down to study for that test of your own devaluement. Stop studying for it. You're sounding like Jocko now. All we need is the the graphics. <laughs> Jocko. You're studying for a test on yourself. You're going to fail. <laughs> if you <laughs> listen. That's heavy, man, because I think we, um, we, we talk our way out of it too much. You know, my stated values are blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. Yes. And then every day I go through life compromising my values over and over. Yes. And in fact, there have been studies that show that if you're going, if you want to make a movie, if you want to write a novel, if you want to start a business, don't talk about it because it fulfills that part of the oh, brain right, that is satisfied right. by the completion of the act. Right. So I'm at Starbucks and what are you doing over there? I'm working on a novel. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. Tell me. Tell me. Blah, 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 blah. And right. then, oh, hold on, let me close my, my laptop so I don't drain the battery while I, while I talk about the thing I should be doing. And in your mind you are getting a release of, of satisfaction that is proximal to the same release you would get if the deed had actually been accomplished. Would Dr. Kate Shanahan say you're getting that dopamine hit from, from a chemical perspective? Kate? That you're just talking about your novel gives you the same, a, a, a similar, approximate uh, proxy satisfaction to actually doing it? Yeah, that sounds totally valid. And also it, what it also does is it alleviates the anxiety of not having it alleviates anxiety of not having done it right like you you kind of to get anything done anxiety plays a positive what's role the function of anxiety it, to, right it right? helps you motivate you to get stuff done and if you talk too much about something you plan on doing then you kind of totally lose that positive anxiety that drives you the, the, what about if you do like a social media posting does that count to training for my marathon I think it does what do you think well, I, I mean, it depends what you're trying to accomplish. If you're trying to become uh -huh. more socially popular, then you're actually getting some getting somewhere with that. 
but if you're if you're trying to like exercise then it obviously it can you know it's a big question mark <laughs> right. right right got it. it the and that and i'm glad you brought up social media because i think like okay we're going full circle now we're about to we're about to wrap it up and this is yeah. part one of a 10-part luke <laughs> shanahan podcast series but just we're getting deep man i, I appreciate this show i'm 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 bringing a lot of real life examples into play, especially the restaurant one. That's, you know, are you that persnickety person that sends a meal back twice? Right. And you're so polite and sweet about it, you know, which hey, is maybe oh, a bullshitter. It, maybe it's a bullshit element too. Maybe not. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm sorry I don't again. Be it got a little cool while I was waiting yeah. for you to fix the, the thing. And then what about the, the other person that's going to eat whatever they stick in front of you, despite paying 40 bucks. That's something that, that takes some serious reflection here and how right. that plays out in other areas. And, 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 and a lot of it boils down to, you know, when you see the person sending it back, right, our presumption is often, wow, you know, what a, you know what. But, Evolved person. Uh, but at least they, man, they really have a healthy ego. They knew who they are and they're not going to take another cold plate. If they have to send five bottles of wine back, they'll do it and Man, if I had, if I had, I don't want to be like that, but if I had 10% of that in my veins and the presumption is that that person is very comfortable with themselves, but I don't think that's often the case. If oh, they're it's an overreaction or a compensation, it's a compensation. And, and the other person also, then they're, again, we're back on talking about people being the obverse of the coin, right? The obverse of that is a person who just swallows the meal down thinking that it's the right thing to do. And this is something Kate's taught me is that when you swallow that meal down, I'm not the only one who suffers. See, the restaurant itself suffers because they're getting away with it. No, Kate suffers because I'm fucking miserable. Oh, can I swear? Of course you can. This is a podcast. (laughs) Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If you don't don't enjoy stuff in life, you turn into a passive aggressive, you know, uh, you know, slippery, slippery slider. At at least when you're passive aggressive, still a little fight in you. When you move, when you move past passive aggressive and there's no aggressive. Just passive. You know, they say that, that depression, you know, is rage turned inwards. Mm-hmm. And if you, you know, if, if you constantly practice, like we're saying, if you physically go through the practice of reaffirming to yourself and to those around you that you're worth nothing, that you're worth value. Now you're forcing, you're fobbing your character onto another person. And that character is represent, it, you know, represents self-loathing, depression, sadness, and a feeling of no value. And that's not a gift. To anyone. To anyone. Even not to all yourself. the people you're serving, helicopter mom and martyr of the workplace. Right. Yeah. Um, the We were talking about, uh, just to, to uh, get back to the uh, the ghost painter and the, and, and the function of that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's the final answer there? Everything around us has a function to tell us something about who we are. Um, we know that the, the, the so-called great architecture of, say, Washington, D.C. was specifically engineered to strike terror into the hearts of those who would come to visit it, the indigenous folks who would, who would be brought there as a sort of a display of power. There have been, uh, you know, like Mussolini and other fascist movements who, who deliberately created stark, stunning, monolithic architecture meant to remind the people that they are simply cogs in a wheel, fungible, replaceable valueless if you're raised say in the inner city in a in a in a a deplorable looking sad functional building with very little greenery around that's a message isn't it and you know a food desert with no interaction with nature that's a message and they hear it loud and clear and the message is you have no value versus a person who walks into a beautiful large architectural masterpiece 
And if you live there, the message you hear every day about what you see is you're important. You matter. And that that feeds in. So everything around us has a, you know, ultimately does have a function, even if that fun, even if that function is an emergent property, if it wasn't planned out for the beginning, it still becomes, you know, a function in terms of messaging, in terms of the way it makes us feel about ourselves and how we interact with others. So if you had a, a painting with a, you know, with Pollock in the big letters and in the little letters, the guy who actually painted it, you know, the function of that is to say art's not that important. Anybody can do it. And that's why, by the way, we have ghost writers, but we don't have ghost dancers. Because if you go on a plane, what you know, as a ghost writer, you sit next to a guy who wants to do a novel. What do you hear? Tell me. You know. What do you hear? What do they tell you when they strike up a conversation? You say, I'm a writer. What do they tell you? Uh, they talk about their novel. The novel Instead they're going to write or the novel they want you to write for them. Oh, I don't know. It's never happened. Oh, I've had, I have it happen all the time. I'd write it myself. I'm just too busy. I'm a surgeon. Uh-huh. I'm an architect. Uh-huh. I'm a personality on this and that. I run my own business. You but, must sit in first class more than <laughs> I. I don't know. Yeah, in the old days. But uh, no, Kate's shaking her head. No, we do not. No, we're, in the, oh. we're up in the luggage bin. But uh, yeah, Kate, Kate carries me around in a cat carrier. <laughs> yeah. But um, save money. But uh, yeah. What you hear is, you know, you know, you should write it or I wanted it. The idea is that because everyone can eat, everyone can run a restaurant. So what do you see? A lot of people starting restaurants, they shouldn't, right? Um, that's why the failure rate on restaurants is what? 90%, something like 95. So everyone can speak, so everyone thinks they can write. When in reality, writing is nothing more than thinking on the page. And the thinking represents like, you know, the, with Deep Nutrition, Kate and I wrote it together. We both are very, you know, scientifically, scientifically minded and all that. So it's a good collaboration that creates something better than the two of us could have done individually but it is a weird concept the idea of uh, and what it says the idea of ghostwriting is that 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 writing is kind of a profession but not really and i'm not saying and by the way is this a gripe no maybe that's the case the marketplace has spoken um but if you don't believe that in your heart say you are a ghostwriter and you go i'm not going to swallow that pill anymore i I think that writing is more than just something anybody can do. I think I'm better at it than most. I think I'm really good at it. And if you live, if you decide to live that value, and that's a good phrase, to live your values, to, to you know, to, to take those values out of that, that dusty satchel, to take the lock off and to bring them out in the, in the sunlight, you know, and exercise them and feed them and take them out for a walk. You know, um, what you're doing in this case is saying, no, um, this is, and by the way, again, writing is just a metaphor. It, you, people might be thinking, well, I'm not a ghostwriter, but my creative energies are being usurped. They're being dedicated more to others than to myself. And again, on the, on, the, on the enterprise, or at least the claim that you want to be giving and giving back and all that. But like we said, uh, that's a bit of a, a Faustian relationship with your own identity. Because if, if you give and give and give until you're an empty vessel you're not really giving anything What you're giving is an, 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 you know, is an empty package or, or like we said, a Trojan horse that's got nothing in there, but your own ego, which has been a tough lesson for me. And I, I'm not, you know, I'm not I'm a work in progress. Work in progress. Luke Shanahan finishing up strong with a lot to think about for everyone listening. You're, you're coming back on. We're going to, we're going to pick up the conversation on, on part two. Far out. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you live audience for your contributions. Yeah. 
Good job, guys. Dun, 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 dun. Thank you for listening to the show. We would love your feedback at getoveryourselfpodcast at gmail.com. And we would also love if you could leave a rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a hassle. You have to go to desktop iTunes, click on the tab that says ratings and reviews, and then click to rate the show anywhere from five to five stars. And it really helps spread the word so more people can find the show and get over themselves, because they need to. Thanks for doing it. Hey, how about a backwards commercial? Are you ready? So, go to OrganifiShop.com and enter the discount code BRAD for 20% off your order. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I Shop.com. Why would I do something as silly as a backwards commercial? It's because I'm positive you have to try this stuff. Trust me, order some now. It's going to change your life. Organifi is an organic superfood supplement company. They're known for their greens. You take them when you travel, get all your nutrition. But I like their top secret Organifi Gold Warm relaxation beverage. This is the single best tasting tea you will ever try in your life. So if you want something soothing, delicious, nutritious at the end of your busy, productive day, pour yourself a scoop of Organifi Gold. What's in there? Turmeric, the anti-inflammatory superstar is the base. And then listen to this, smooth coconut milk, cinnamon, ginger, lemon balm, and two super mushrooms. It's legit. It's delicious. Check it all out at OrganifiShop.com. And don't forget to put in Brad for 20% off. Try Organifi Gold. If you're not totally satisfied, send it back to me and I'll keep it.